0: 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus to bambles and, and she was heavy laden The way we went to Lankol Street, that's that on the road to bleeding oh!
1: What's up, guys? Uh, Here we are back at it again at CHN Radio on the international break, which, of course, is the most fun time of the Premier League season. Of course, obviously, not really. We want more football. But, um, you know, to pass the time, you guys know, we do some fun little series. And uh, today we've got another episode of Talk of the Tune for you guys, um, which, of course, is our series where we go out and interview who the people want to speak to. So uh, we just did – an interview with Roberto de Rojas who talked to us about Miguel Amiron and uh, we got a second one for you guys and we're gonna be sitting down with Tom from the War Flags group. Tom, how are you doing? I'm very good, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. Um, so for people who do not know, uh, Tom, can you take us through you know what exactly War Flags does um, and just talk about the kind of the creation, what was your inspiration, uh, who was your founders, I mean, kind of just take us through, what is your story? Yeah, no problem.
2: Um, so, War Flags was started, it started up as um, Gallagher Flags. Uh, that was the that was the initial name uh, for the stand behind the goal, obviously the Gallagher end. Um, and it was started up by uh, two people who run the True Faith um, fanzine. Uh, they basically wanted to um, kind of improve the atmosphere and the match they experienced at St James's Park. Um and by using flags they thought they were able to do that and it was it was a great start. You know, people really bought into it the they raised a lot of money. Um all fan funded. It was it was a fantastic start. Um and then things just got bigger and bigger. We realised we had a bit of a a bit of a you know the position to be able to do things, to send messages, you know, support for the players, et cetera, et cetera. Um and I joined probably towards the end of the first season that it started. So it started in the the championship season, um, and then I joined towards the end of that season uh, and started because I just I, I love fan initiatives, and, and this was a great one, you know, because people could really buy into it. It was um, it was great visual displays, you know, and it was it was it set up a great atmosphere. It really did start to improve the atmosphere at, um, at St James's Park. So so yeah, that's that's basically the the gist of, of, of how it started and 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 where it's gone since it's obviously since changed its name from from Gallagher Flags to War Flags after the initial founders moved on uh they left it to to everyone else who was still involved to take the group a little bit further and in, introduce the T4 displays and 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 stuff like that you know so it was um yeah so we've taken it on to the next level really
1: cool cool so that is kind of like that quick synopsis of what War Flags is um, and of course if you aren't already following them on Twitter you should at um, war flags and if you guys can't already tell this is a solo interview for me Greg is away on business right now so if you're getting tired of my voice already you might as well stop listening because it's me <laughs> the whole time with Tom um, but Tom so I think one of the most impressive things um, and me being American you know we kind of see this stuff from afar and we get to see the pictures and honestly I think neither Greg or I have been, since the creation of War Flag uh, up to St. James. So we realized it is such a spectacle to see some of the TIFOs you guys put on. Can you kind of talk about like how that how that works? How, how do you guys create these TIFOs? How do you get all these different flags in the hands of so many different people? Yeah, um,
2: to be honest, it's it, it, it's quite a long process. We, we we pick certain games, but we kind of go off how, how what the feeling at the club is at the time. So... You know, we try and send messages that that of support for the players and stuff like that. You know, and we've we've actually got a WhatsApp group that basically all of the business is done in. That's where all the discussions happen, and and we get the ideas flowing in there. And and um, so that's basically how it arises. You know, we get an idea. Uh, we've got a couple of designers in the group, uh, one mainly who's who's called Dan. You know, he 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 designs most of our stuff. He's fantastic at, at doing that. Um and we always <laughs> there's sometimes arguments about what, what we what we should do and what we shouldn't do and um and and that's basically the start of the process. So the design gets made. Um and then we get it sent off to the the company that designs the flags, uh, which is um or which makes the flags, sorry, which is based in Poland. Uh it's a company called Ultra Shop, uh which make the make the flags and all the banners and everything else. So and they supply us with with T four displays as well, um, and it's quite a, a quick process actually. So it gets it gets sent it get it gets sent over to Newcastle. Um, we get it into the stadium and basically start to uh, take it out of the box and, and make sure everything's okay. Get it, get all the poles attached. We buy poles in from a, a company in England, and and um, yeah, it's basically. You know, it, it's quite a it's quite a long process to discuss what we're actually going to do. But once we've got it in motion, it's quite quick, um, and we make sure everything's done in the days leading up to the game that we decide to do the, a certain display at. You know, we'll, we're, we're we're all volunteers. No one, no one, no one gets paid or anything like that. We're all just volunteers. We do it all in our spare time. You know, after work, we'll we'll go into the stadium. Um, luckily, the club have been very good with us to let us into the stadium during. Closing hours basically, and uh, the security are brilliant, you know. And and we um, we just we're allowed kind of free access really to to put the displays together, so that come the come the day of the game, um, we can just relax really, and everything's everything's in place. And sometimes put flags on people's seats or persuade people to come and get a flag off us that they can wave. Um, just put, put put everything in position really, so it's ready to go when the teams walk out
1: yeah so that that is a very involved process um, yeah. to say the least um yeah. you're talking about you know bringing in TIFO displays made in Poland and then you know renting from printing poles from companies in England it, it yeah. must be expensive like like what what do you like what would you say the average cost of getting one of these kind of larger TIFOs uh created how, how, how much would you say it costs?
2: One of the larger ones, it, it, it's quite, it, it can cost thousands of pounds. It really can. Um, the the one that we did at the end of last season against Chelsea, um, it was a massive long banner. Um, where there was unity, there was always victory, is what it said. And, and, and that alone cost, I'm thinking off the top of my head, I think it was around about just over... £2,000, maybe pushing £3,000 is how much that costs, but then you buy the foils as well, which are quite cheap, but we had to fill the entire stand, which is about 12,000 seats, I think, it may be a little bit more. Um, so, you know, overall, it was probably about £3,500 to um, to put that display together, um, and most of them, yeah, you're probably pushing the, the £1,000 mark for for an average display um but we buy a lot of material so we have a lot of material that can be used for smaller displays across across many other games that doesn't cost anything just our time really so yeah they are quite expensive but we're very lucky that we have a fan base that are willing to to put them put their hands in the pockets and 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 donate Um, we're very grateful for that because it means that we can put on a good display
1: yeah that and i was i was really just going to mention that i mean if you go to you go to the site and you can go ahead and donate it seems like you guys are and correct me if i'm wrong you guys are pretty much entirely run off of donations alone from fans right
2: very much so very much
1: yeah it's, it's all donations everything that gets donated gets put
2: back into the displays we um we've actually made some merchandise you know like hats and scarves badges and stuff like that that um That we sell, and like I say, every every single penny that comes in goes straight back into the display So yeah, it's it's a it's a really great thing. It's it's by the fans for the fans. It's really it's really really good.
1: That's great. So Tom, you kind of touched on this a little bit. I'm kind of moving into what it looks like to to get the tifos into the into the stadium. Um, Kind of like that logistical process. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like you guys in there, you know, at the beginning of the week, setting stuff up or do you spend, you know, the night before setting things up? What does that look like? I mean,
2: yeah, you have such it's, large
1: displays, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's, um, so with the, with the T4s, if, if we have the foil um, that we put on each individual seat, we'll probably look to get in about two or three days beforehand because it is, it is very hard work. You know, each, each seat has, has, a, has a piece of foil that has an elastic band around it, so you work in teams just doing each seat. But it takes ages. You're walking up and down the stairs along each row, it can take quite some time um, obviously certain not, we can't get everyone in every single time you know, there's probably about 20 of us in the group uh, but we, we, we don't have 20 people going inside the stadium all the time obviously people have other commitments families and, and work and, and, and whatnot. not um, so it can take quite some time we, we, we're lucky to have access to the, the concourse um, underneath the stand which is quite a spacious area where we are able to paint. Um, we're able to to put the poles onto the banners and, and, and make sure that they're they're all safe and tight and everything like that so that when, when they're held up they're you know they're not flying off. Um and so yeah, it's probably two or three days beforehand that we'll we'll look to get in and, and, and put the put everything together so that come the match day we're not running around like headless chickens trying to get everything together. So um yeah it's we've got a lot better as time has gone on. um we get a lot quicker at these things we know what works and we know what doesn't so
1: yeah. yeah um and yeah it it just it's always just remarkable seeing the displays you guys put up and then you know you kind of talk you talked about what happens before um every game the build up the amount of you know manpower it takes to get everything set in place for game day. But what about yep. game day? Those that kind of like that, you're 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 like thirty to forty seconds of just absolute fame and, and having the, the complete spotlight. You know, whether it be through photographs or the television broadcast. What? How does that happen? That logistically, how do how does everyone know how to you know make the tifo uh, actually happen? Yeah. Um. So we actually have a very
2: good relationship with the club. So if if the if we do have files on each seat, then we will. Ask the club to put an announcement out on the tannoy to basically say, everyone in the Gallagher End, can you hold up your foil? Um, and uh, and that, that's how it worked. For we did one last week uh, for the remembrance display, and it was it was fantastic. Everyone everyone who was in the seat held up the piece of foil, and it, it created a, a fantastic looking looking image. You know. Um, yeah. And it's great actually see it come together because it looks great when it's all on the seats, but you need everyone to hold them up. <laughs> so so it's very good to um, to have people to have the club basically pass the message on to people. Um, in terms of the banners, um, we always place it in position so that about ten minutes before kick off, we'll get in um, and we'll we'll pick the banner up and and because because we have to group it all together, we, we can't block the. The walkways obviously to the seats for a, a prolonged period of time we um, we put numbers on each poll so we know which position it needs to be in etc etc and and we, we kind of allocate jobs as to where people are going to be um, and then we put tweets out basically asking for volunteers to come and make yourself known um, and basically give us a hand a lot of the time if someone who was who was just walked into the, the stadium Walks past and sees an empty flag or an empty pole. It's quite good actually because they will just go along and they'll help and they'll just they'll hold it or they'll wave a flag. It's it's brilliant. There's a lot of people get behind it and it's it's
1: great to see. Yeah, and then kind of just a, a quick follow up to that. I mean, what is half to what has to be like the hardest tifo you guys have had to pull off or you know one that gave you the 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 most the most amount of difficulty on on game day.
2: Yeah, um, so there's there's probably a couple to be honest. Uh, the the one that we did at the end of last season um, was was very difficult in the sense of it, it seemed to be back breaking work in the in the days building up to the the display. You know, we we had to fill the entire stadium with files. That was that was quite difficult, and then the banner itself was very heavy. It's extreme. The poles are extremely heavy, so it's. Um, It 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 can cause problems when you when you when you lift up the entire banner, and it might have twenty poles attached to it. It's it's very heavy. You need quite a few people, and then to separate the poles so that the banner spreads out into a so so you can see the image. You know, it's it's that's quite backbreaking. So the one at the end of last season was very difficult. We did a display. um, It was a Kevin Keegan quote. We did it uh, in January. Um, last season, um, and that was massive as well. That was very, very big. So that one was more getting enough people in position to be able to hold the banner. Um, kind of, you get a bit, you get a bit anxious that it's not going to work, and you start screaming at people to get in the position and, and stuff like that. It can be quite a, a stressful time because um, you just really want it to work. You put so much work into the display that for for what is two minutes basically, when the teams come out the banners are normally up for maybe maybe five minutes you know that's probably about that's probably fair five minutes they're probably normally up so it's a lot of work that goes in for a very short display so yeah it's quite stressful but those two displays so the the one at the end of last season and the the kevin Keegan quote banner that we did um last season as well that was uh they were quite difficult yeah so
1: yeah just to give people some perspective of like how much work mm-hmm. you're putting, in. how long, like what's the, is the timetable for, I mean, think about designing a banner and, or come up with that idea from start to finish. What what would you say that the actual length of like that process is? Is it, did you guys turn this all around in a week? Is it like a month of planning? What what does it look like? Um, it's, it could be, I would say probably about two and a half to three weeks
2: is probably the, the rough kind of timescale. Um, you have, it's the designing process that takes the longest. So once that's out the out of the way, it gets sent to the the police in Poland. They quickly turn it around. We've got a good uh, relationship with them. We've gave them a lot of money. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I think they'll be having a few nice holidays this year because of, of course. It. <laughs> so it's, so yeah, probably about three weeks, I would say, all told. You know, we're always discussing ideas. Um, but putting it in motion is probably about two or three weeks we have done some that are very, very tight, and we 've put a lot of pressure on the place in Poland to get things done um, and but they 've been fantastic so far yeah we have, we haven 't had any delays or anything like that so um yeah, there is times that we do push it the maybe a day before the game and we 're in the night before to get it all get it all put out but yeah it's um
1: everything 's been okay so far I feel like you guys do one. Want- I'd say probably pretty much almost every match day. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, how do you think there's a, any possibility you guys would run out of ideas? That's the thing with Newcastle United. We are such an
2: up and down football club. There is always <laughs> something happening at Newcastle United. Yeah. So it keeps the mind fresh in terms of what you can do. The message that fans in general want to get across, you know, we're, we're, we're all fans. We're all season ticket holders, you know, we we get it, you know, in terms of the pressures that the club has at times, the success that the club has at times, and you just want to relay the right message, you know. If if a if a I don't know if, if the press or anything like that are, are, are getting on the back of Benitez or a certain player, we like to put the Benitez banner out to to show a sign of support, really. Um, but in terms of the the banners that we do, we try and just keep it keep things fresh. Try and think of chants, um, you know. Think of quotes from chant and, 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 and put them in onto a banner um, and, and basically just go from there, really. And then then the big stuff is just thought. Is, yeah, we'll we think of it for quite some time and then put it all together.
1: Yeah. And and just, Well, what do you think your favourite display you guys have put on is? So for me,
2: um, it would probably be the one last season, I would say, um, with against Chelsea, where yeah. the, the, the foils, the, you know, the black and white stripes and the Gallagher and, and the massive banner it was very heavy, you know, and it looked fantastic. It took quite some time to actually put that together because we, um, we needed to find an image of every single player with the back turned to the camera. And mm-hmm. that was actually a quite a difficult job um, to find a full-body image of the player, to, to make the image come together so it looked like all of the players were walking away. And, and we actually struggled to find one of Martin Dubravka, the goalkeeper. We we struggled yeah. to find one for ages, and we actually contacted the club to see if they had any images of him um, to that we could use onto the banner because we really, we thought it would look stupid without the goalkeeper on there, who had, who had performed extremely well last season. so. It was just—it was a fantastic time putting that together, you know. It, it was stress-free as well because Newcastle was safe by that point. Um, you know, we weren't going to go down, and um, it was just quite enjoyable to put together. And when it
1: when it eventually all came together, it was fantastic. It was a, it was an amazing feeling. Yeah, I mean, and of course, that was an amazing match day as well. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. finishing tenth yeah. after that—it was you know quite quite the day. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you guys obviously. You know, you work with not only the club, but you work with other supporters groups. And can you talk about that relationship you form with the other supporters groups and how they help you out on game day, or if it's even outside of game day?
2: Yeah, it, we have a very good relationship with other supporter groups, um, and they're very helpful on on social media. Social media is a big thing for us with fundraising, um, so they're very good at retweeting our things and, and stuff like that. You know, our fundraising campaigns. Um, and they're very good at offering support on game day. You know, they'll come and hold a flag or they'll hold part of the banner and and basically spread the word of of what's happening. Yeah, we have a very good relationship with other
1: supporter groups. Um, they've been very helpful. Yeah, that, that's and, and kind of speaking on that relationship, um, I guess we can kind of transition into your involvement with the Magpie group. I mean, it's kind of understood that you alongside, I mean, your your group alongside, a bunch of other supporter groups have formed the Magpie Group, and I mean, for a lot of us, it kind of came out of nowhere. It kind of seemed that yeah. uh, if Rafa goes, we goes. Account blew up, and I remember talking about it amongst our, our staff here at Coming Home Newcastle. And uh, we were we just we were like, oh wow, this account just appeared out of nowhere, and it's already got like. Good. We were joking. It's like it's got it's got twice the amount of followers we do, and then the next day it's got like ten thousand followers, and then like a couple days later they're like we formed the Magpie. Fifteen thousand, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so, can you kind of can you talk about kind of the formation of that, just where it came from? Because I mean, from outside looking in, it just seemed random and out of nowhere. Yeah, to be honest, the Magpie group, it was
2: it was an idea that arose. Back in February, um, once again, Mike Ashley didn't put his hand in, the, in his pocket um, in the transfer window when it seemed very desperate. You know, we hadn't won at home for months. Yeah, um, we the team were it seemed to be running out of ideas. Um, we clearly needed funding. Uh, Benitez said exactly the same, and and it, it, it's it's been a common theme for the last eleven years due, under Mike Ashley. Um, and I think people just it was born out of frustration, really. Uh, enough was enough. So the, there was a meeting back in February. Um, it was a, a member of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust um, who kind of got all of the fan groups together or most of the fan groups together um, to try and form one group, sort of, to, to just basically push the same message. Everyone like drives in the same direction that Newcastle United, it needs to be better than this. Um, whether it through Mike Ashley sells the club, um, which I think most Newcastle fans would probably agree at, at right now that it probably needs to happen for the sake of for the sake of the future of the club. Um, or just better communication. You know, it's one thing we've tried to push for so long is the communication side of things um, with the club, you know, uh, They've been proven in court lying of supporters you know, so that there's not, there's not a lot of trust there unfortunately. Um, which is a big shame when you when you love the football club so much that you can't they don't talk to you basically um, and you're not getting value for money in terms of what what gets put in by the supporters you know fifty two thousand every single week um, or roughly anyway um, numbers have chopped off slightly because of the because of recent form but um, I dare say they might pick back up soon but um, yeah so it it started that way and then. Uh, it seemed that the same problems were arising in the in the summer transfer window, that Rafa was struggling to get money. Um, he was promised every single penny generated. Um, so we kind of got back together again in in July, and th- the name the Magpie Group just was just thrown about in a meeting. We didn't really intend to to have a name for it really. Um, it was at first it was just all the all the same groups pushing the same message, but we thought it would be good if it fell under one name. Um, basically just to make it a little bit easier. So, um, yeah, that's that's basically how it started. It started in July, ma- like mainly started in July um, and started pushing the campaign for the betterment of Newcastle United. So,
1: so what did the If Rafa Goes We Goes movement kind of spur from that group and then a Twitter account was created and then the group was kind of announced later on, I believe it was almost that same week. Um, or was that just like another thing that just kind of, Became a catalyst to actually get the group started. It was some random, yeah, guy. it was
2: kind of, yeah, it, it was a bit of a coincidence. Um, you know, it, it'd been mooted for quite some time anyway that, that this group would start up. Uh, the, and the, if Rafa goes, we go started, you know, and the, the very nice people at uh, that group, you know, very, very nice people who have been very helpful with the Magpie group and, and whatnot. So, um, they. Yeah, it was kind of a coincidence. It just kind of collided at the same time, really. Um, and then we realised there was clearly from from the Ivrafa goes we go. There was clearly an urge uh, and a want for for protest. Really, it seemed. Um, a lot of people, a lot of fans might disagree with that. Um, that's the problem when you've got such a big crowd is that. Not everyone agrees. But yeah, um, it kind of just came out at, the, at similar times. Really, it wasn't. There was nothing. We had nothing to do with the um with the, the making of, of Rafa Kosmigo it was quite random. I was quite surprised at the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it took a lot of people by surprise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember the first tweet and I was like, okay, well, I'll retweet this and then, you know, check the next day and it's blown up tremendously. Yeah. Um yeah. and uh so so you kinda of touched on this, but um just briefly, what would you say the main goal of the magpie group is? Um <sighs> It's hard, to, it's hard to put it into words. I'm trying to... Th-
2: so, it's basically the betterment of Newcastle United um, okay. because for too long now, things just haven't gone right. They're not, you know, Mike Ashley seems to be just very content at advertising his sports shop and we come second and fiddle to that. Um, we've been made... Our expectations have been completely dwindled. So, it's basically the betterment of Newcastle United. You know, if... if we, we I, I would say we all agree that Mike Ashley needs to sell the club um, and pass it on to someone that's willing to take it forward. Um, and if not, then communicate with us. You know, spend the money that the club generates, um, and it's just to ensure that the fan pressure is always there. You know, we're, we're not going away. Um, we're going to keep the pressure on because otherwise. You, the club's just going to die right in front of your eyes if you don't do nothing. Then nothing, nothing's going to change, you know. So for too long now we, we're not spending the money that the club generates, and yeah, we're, we're not being able to compete with the likes of Watford and Bournemouth. And there's no disrespect to those clubs, but financially we should be keeping up with them, whereas we're not. So yeah, so I would say to sum up. Sorry if I do rant. Um, the it's 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 for the betterment of Newcastle United. Is basically yeah. the best way to put it. Yeah.
1: I mean, and, and of course that makes sense. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to believe that, you know, such a group and, and understandably so, I mean, there's a lot of different key parts and that kind of form up this group, but it kind of makes sense that, you know, a group is formed just for the betterment of the club. And it seems like it'll probably stick around regardless of whether Mike Ashley is, is here in the future yeah. or not. Yeah. And I would imagine so. Um, yep. And so you guys do have a calendar of events that was released. Um, I guess it was released what, a couple of weeks back, um, talking about you know upcoming protests, boycotts, et cetera. Um, just for the people who are unaware or living on Iraq, rock, can you just go through kind of what you guys have planned over the next couple of months?
2: Yeah. So there is, um, there is an 11th minute walk-in planned against um, West Ham, uh, which is which two weeks yesterday, is, so the 1st of December. Um, the idea of that is to basically send a message that of what life will be like at Newcastle United. Probably, if if Benitez leaves, I dare say that the attendances will drop massively if Benitez decides to leave. Of um, and if Mike actually continues to run the club in the way that he does, um, eventually people will get sick. You know, I've got a lot of friends who have stopped going, um, which is a massive shame. Um, people who have dedicated their lives to Newcastle United have just had enough they're just not willing to put any more money into it Um, so the idea was was it's kind of the visual aspect of what the stadium will look like if you continue in the way that you're going Um, so then after that there was um, we have Everton away Um, there was there's ideas of uh, a protest outside of a sports direct store in Liverpool um, I can't say I know too much behind that one. Um the Magpie Group has has probably some key people running it that would be able to tell you a little bit more than what I can. Um then there is the the uh, boycott plant of the Wolves game, which it's a very sad thing to have to do. Yeah. Um it's it's not nice. I don't want to boycott. No one wants to boycott the games. Everyone wants to go. But it's kinda it feels as though it's the next step of 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 sending a message to Mike Ashley. You know, we've tried boycotts in the past. Um, who who knows? We, we did a boycott here in, uh, I can't remember the year, but we, it was Tottenham at home. And there's no official numbers as to how many boycotted. But that summer, we did spend the, the most money that has been spent um, under my Ashley's tenure. So um, who knows if it had an impact? Mike actually relies on on a full stadium on his advertisement. You know, it's the image of Newcastle United, um, a full stadium. He's he's you know he's he sports direct shops and and everything else. You know, it's um, it's it's a typical thing to talk about when you don't want to do it but you feel like you have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's um, you know the the boycott. It, it'll split opinion and it already has. It's a it's a massive shame to see Newcastle fans arguing over. Over, over these sort of things because you're never going to agree um, but hopefully with the right pressure and, and continuous pressure it may well work and um, after that we have um, another protest planned um, away at Liverpool again um, Liverpool fans are very supportive of, of the action that, that that we're taking against Mike Ashley because they've been in similar positions so they're very sympathetic to our, our position you know um so they're very helpful when when coming together and, and protesting against what's right in football basically you know we're, both, we're all pushing for the same thing in football you know there's a lot of money at the moment being um, splashed around english football um and yet the football fans always seem to be the last thought of which is a big shame so so yeah that's that's basically the gist of the the protest that we have coming up
1: yeah, and, and you were talking about the boycott. and I, I do think you, you brought up a really good point about Ashley does kind of thrive on having that image of, of success and running a successful team, and he's been able to kind of get a pass because every time Newcastle's on, on national television, um, or really international because when they're nationally televised in the U.K., they're internationally televised over here in the States and, and yeah. uh, South America as well. Um, it, you always see the state impact to the brim, no matter how good or bad the team's doing, no matter um, how wonderful the TIFO is that you know, exclaims the, the frustration of Mike Ashley, for him, it's still a win. And so taking advantage of you know, uh, another nationally televised game in Wolves and you know, it being you know, the stage for a boycott, I think it's going to be huge in terms of you know, urging him to, to move forward with the sale of the club. And yeah. kind of just speaking on the sale of the club, it's just, just a little off-kilter. Um, do you actually think that he's he's wanting to sell the club? He's like actually putting forth the effort to sell the club?
2: I'm not convinced. Um, there has been bids in the past for the club that all seem to just filter away. He does, you know, the bid isn't right, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just think he's, he's quite content at the moment to be... Um, Getting free advertisement for Sports Direct, and um, you know the price that he wants for the club seems to be slightly unrealistic. Um, you know all, the, all of these, all of these, all of these companies come in and, and take a look at the books and then decide to make an offer that is very much lower than what Mike Ashley wants for us. Um, I'm not convinced he does want to sell. I think ideally he could probably do without it, but at the moment he's quite happy. Um, it's no real, no real burden on him, I suppose, because he's getting free advertisement for Sports Direct broadcast worldwide. So, um, yeah, I'm, 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 it remains to be seen whether he is a willing seller. We just need, just need someone to come up with the money. Just pray and someone comes up with the money.
1: Yeah, I, I think it. I think. I would say he's not as willing of a seller as he's making it appear. Like I think yes. if someone came in right now and offered in, you know, 500 million pounds, he would take, he would, he'd gladly sell the club, but yeah. to go out and, and make this whole proclamation that you're all for selling the club, you're, you're going to set at this low price, which, you know, even was still above the valuation of most, most companies and then say, Oh, I'll take, we'll take, we'll take payments over the course of years. We'll take all cash up front, whatever it takes to sell the club and get into the right people you have, you know, the Stavely bid come along and they put in four or five different bids that all kind of met the criteria he was looking for. And, and if they didn't meet his asking price, they invested the money somewhere else. Or if, even if they met his asking price and paid in installments, he was like, no. It, it just seems yeah. like if you were really wanting to sell the club, like he claimed you would, you would have already sold the club. So I, I'm with you on that, Tom. It, it does seem like he's not really that motivated to sell the club yeah uh, yeah I I definitely agree
2: Um, it's it's such a shame it really is everything seems to be PR you know fans seem to get sick of the way things are being run it's a never ending cycle you know so number one fans will be sick of of the way the club's being run number two Mike Ashley will come out and say that he's trying to sell the club so that fans will stop the pressure basically yeah (laughs) Um, and and then it just and then you realize he's not selling the club so you get annoyed again and then something else comes out in the press that someone else is trying to buy the club it's it's a, it's a never-ending cycle that never seems to end and it's just um it's getting tiring now it really is it's very upsetting because you know you, you invest so much into the club um and you love the club so much that you just wish someone was running it with the best of intentions where whereas Mike actually just doesn't seem to be so
1: yeah and and you kind of brought up and I, I do want to I want to of course, give you guys your kudos for, I think the Magpie group has done a pretty good job since the summer of continually placing pressure on Mike Ashley, uh, regardless of what he says, regardless of him saying that he's going to sell the club. And I mean, to think that he thought that it would blow over by September, um, I, I just have to commend you guys for not only having a plan in terms of, you know, what you guys are going to do in the future in terms of protests, but actually getting out there on a weekly basis and and making some, some noise in order to get his attention, I, I absolutely love that there's actually a unified effort in order to kind of break a create a cog in his cycle of, of lies. So, I mean, I think that'll either at least you know worry him to the point of him trying to do something. I don't know if that means sell the club. I don't know if that means invest. I don't know what it means, but I do think yeah. that your efforts with the Magpie Group it, it's 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 not it's not something he can ignore.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think that's been evident in the fact that he has returned to going to games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I would agree as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you know, it's all PR. He's, he, he invests in a PR company who who, <laughs> the, the man who runs that company has always sat next to him at the home games. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's all PR. It's all to try and settle things down. Um, but we have to make sure we keep on. It's our football club. You know, you, you can't you can't just just sit there and let it happen. You know, I I grew up watching Newcastle, um, kind of mediocre at the time. As I, as I started watching Newcastle, um, I, I was probably just after the Keegan days, unfortunately. Um, and then uh, I got my season ticket just as Bobby Robson came in, um, and and I was able to watch Newcastle in the Champions League and and you know really really push high high up the table. And then for it to to then since under Mike Ashley's tenure. Have two relegations, numerous relegation battles, um, no funds being spent or very little anyway.
1: Um, you know, I, I just I, it's hard to fathom. It really is. Yeah, and so kind of, kind of back to just the protests that you guys have, have have formed. And I mean, I know that you're not you know the head honcho and charge of the yes. Magpie Group by any means, but um, just. How did that formation of kind of a, a plan of protest come to be? I know there were some forums involved, I know there were some surveys involved, but how did you guys kinda of put that pen to paper and say this is what we're gonna do over the next couple of months? Yeah. Um
2: so you you touched on the, the forums. They were probably the, the, the best way of of getting info from support as as to what supporters wanted to do. Um, the boycott it split opinion so you know there was people wanted to do it people didn't want to do it but it was to give fans the option um, and and that's probably the fairest way of saying as to why most of the, 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 the um, protests that have been put on the paper have come from um, supporters' suggestions from discussions on social media um, so basically we gather up all of the ideas that have been raised at these forums and on social media you know people have been able to send and private messages and and whatnot of what the things should be done and and we kind of sit down and sit through the most viable ones, things that may work, things that might have the right impact, things that people will really get on board with. Um, and and the the eleventh minute walk-in was something that uh, that was brought up at a forum by a by a fellow fan. Uh, the boycott was brought up by many many people. that seemed to be and and as results went on, I think at the time of the at the time that everything was announced, we hadn't won a game, so. <laughs> The frustration was very much there, and and I dare say that if results were to continue in the form that they were, like at the start of the season, there would there would be a mass mass boycott. But results, unfortunately, people might not like it if I say this, but football fans are very fickle, very fickle, and 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 they will, if if, the, if things are going well, then they're less reluctant to get involved in protest movement. Um, but this is it's a never ending cycle in Newcastle, so. Yeah. You know, we've been here before where we have a good run of results. We forget everything and then we end up coming back. But yeah, so with the protests, we just kind of sit down and decide um, what, what the best course of action is. And, and the Wolves game uh, with the boycott, because it was on live TV, which is one thing that everyone said who was pushing the boycott, make sure it's on live TV so that the, the message can be pushed worldwide. Um, I wasn't actually at the meeting uh, when the, all of these plans were put together. I dare say I wouldn't have had many objections when I was there, if I was there, sorry.
1: Yeah, um, and, and you did kind of speak on something that, you know, I guess was a little bit of a worry from, you know, our side um, being a site and a podcast that obviously hates Mike Ashley, was, uh you know, would the would the good run of form um, hurt the boycott, pro, the boycott initiative? And you kind of alluded to it, but, I mean, do you think that, you know, if the if the if the team still hadn't won a match and we're going into wolves that you know the boycott would be much bigger than it might be uh, yeah, now I that think. we've a yeah, yeah,
2: match I think it would be extremely successful in terms of boycott numbers the boycott itself the idea of the boycott would be successful it's never a good thing having to do it so I hate seeing the word successful because it's, it's not a good thing that we have to do it um but you know yeah yeah I think the, the last few results have have helped in terms of the team. We all want to see the team win. Of course. Um, but we we just know where it's gonna end back up. We know that we're gonna be moaning about the same things to do with the owner in a year's time. So it's now or never, that's the way that it feels for me personally, and I, I know a lot of fans share that
1: same view as well. And and arguably not even a year's time. I mean, January's exactly. coming up, and you exactly. already know it's I think I think the past three years I've written a January transfer preview. I've talked about everyone we've been linked to. And I've said, at the end of the day, we're going to end up signing a couple guys on loan. And if we yeah. make a purchase, it won't be for more than 5 million pounds. And every year since I've done this, I've been right. So um, it it's, it's definitely frustrating uh, going into January. And I think that the movement will probably pick up even more steam uh, after January because I wouldn't imagine that we're heading into January in the top 10. And even if we are, regardless of where we are in the table, I think a good um, – Uh, people want to see investment in january especially when every other team is working on ways to improve um especially teams in a relegation battle i would i would imagine that um fulham's going to be looking for for different for defenders west ham's going to be trying to do something to salvage the season and to see us sit back and not sign anyone would be um depressing to say the least oh yeah yeah very much (laughs) so um you're
2: sick of these teams spending vast sums of money and, and that's not what it's all about it, it's not about spending yeah 25 million pound it's it's the fact of, of of investing the money that the club has mm-hmm. the club evidently has you know we, we made a 20 million pound profit was it in the in the transfer window in january yeah. in, in the summer sorry and Mike actually took 10 million of that for himself you know? yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah our most our most expensive signing was 9.5 million you know yeah. it, 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 it's incredible like it, it, it's all lies Rafa can have every penny generated all well, well, but except the 10 million that i want to take out for myself yeah but then the debt but the, the debt doesn't get reduced that that's another thing as well isn't it you know the the the, the debt um was 68 million that Mike, Mike Ashley had to pay off when he first bought the club and now it's 144 million yeah, has that has that ten million come off that? Is it now one hundred and thirty-four? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's all money that he's coming to the club to rectify the mistakes that he's made initially. So it's you know he hasn't saved saved those. He's just having to rectify the mistakes that he's made by and, by yeah. putting money into the club.
1: And and the, the I think the the most concerning thing, um, because you know I think, um, I was I, we've spoken with some financial football experts. Um, and fair play to the lads about Financial Football News, they've they all they do is 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 look at the finances of football of football clubs in England and and then the one of the issues is that one Newcastle took a while to release their their numbers I mean much later than everyone else but you know to be to be honest it's a private company and and these numbers can kind of be manipulated to tell a story like honestly, that deficit might not even exist. It could still just be something he's saying. And we, the, the fact of the matter, we have no we have no actual clue of the actual finances of the club. I think that's, that's obviously concerning as well, especially when you have an owner that kind of refuses to invest what the club makes back into the club.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's quite intriguing when you look into the numbers. And that was one of the interesting things with the Magpie group was that a lot of people got on board and we were able to figure out where the money... Or where certain part of the money were going, you know, and, and what really, what what are the actual facts? Yeah, you know, don't don't believe their lies. We've always we've said this since the start of the campaign. Our truth is louder than their lies. Of so course, just keep keep relaying the facts because, you know, what one of one of the ones that struck me was um, how Mike Ashley has invested all of this money into the football club. So. One of the stats that I've seen that Mike Ashley has invested two hundred and seventy-eight million into the football club, <laughs> whereas, whereas gate receipts have been two hundred and eighty-four million, so the, the the fans have actually put more money into the club in this in in this period of time. That was one thing that kind of struck out to me, you know. And yet, yet Mike Ashley's the savior apparently. Well, the the <laughs> pantomime, the pantomime villain as he keeps referring to himself.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and we've seen some of the businesses quote saved. Of course, I mean look at house of fraser and, and what's going on there it's just he how long can he keep up this character but um kind of moving on you yeah. mentioned that the fan forums and so um being american and having a pretty large listening base in uh, america we have some guys in england as well and surprisingly some people out in norway and, and um, iceland and some of those those countries the scandinavian yeah. countries so a lot of our our listeners and a lot of our readers um they've never experienced one of these fan forums so could you kind of take us through what happens uh, what do you guys talk about what kind of stuff uh, goes on yeah so we um we, we we basically hire
2: a room uh in the center of newcastle um uh, the last two have been at the labor club in newcastle it's a big room you can fit probably about 400 people in so it's it's quite a decent size um so we just advertise for people to come along um and and we've been very lucky that that the first meeting there was probably about 200 people, Um, at the second meeting there was a lot more, Um, there's probably upwards of 350, maybe 400 people, Um, and we'll have members of the group, uh, we'll talk about what the group's been doing, uh, the work that they've been doing behind the scenes. Um, At the last meeting we had two MPs there uh, from Parliament uh, who are both Newcastle fans, we also had um, Kevin Miles from the Football Supporters Federation, which is a fan organisation in England. So you know, we it's so we had we had very good backing there, um, and they they spoke about the running of football clubs, what how they can help in the in the fight against um, the ownership, you know, and um, and then basically we we have someone walks around the floor for people that want to ask questions to the MPs, to the Magpie Group, or put forward suggestions, and then. We have big discussions, you know, and and it's it, it's very informative. Um, some of the stuff that you can, some of the information that fans give, um, that you you might never heard of before, um, and yeah, it, it's it's a great it's a great thing. It's a it's, it sounds ridiculous that you have a conversation with four hundred people, but these so far they've been very very informative, and the, you, you always come away happier and knowing that there is a very very good backing of fans that want to
1: change yeah
2: um and that's very reassuring when you set up a group like that is that you're not alone
1: yeah and that's it's great to see the numbers it's great to see the numbers at the protests, and um and and i think it's i think every group uh formed especially with such an ambitious goal is going to face some sort of criticism from from other fans about how they should go about doing things or even the club itself and you guys have certainly not you know haven't, you haven't gone without facing some sort of criticism, I guess. Um, as before this weekend, that uh, the biggest bit of criticism was, you know, basically Jamal Sells and Rafa Benitez pleading fans not to boycott or protest at, at matches. What was the group's feeling kind of when you hear something like that? Um, and um, how do you guys plan on responding? Is
2: that they are employees of the football club, so they're not going to say anything else. Yeah. That, that, that is exactly what they are going to say every single time when put in front of a camera. Um, I dare say that their opinions are something different in private. Um, <laughs> you know, Rafa's Rafa's touched on it in, in in the press. You know, he's he's mentioned how smart Newcastle fans are. They know the situation, etc., etc. And and we've all we've all we all know how um, concerned Benitez has been in the transfer windows. Um, he's even said he's been worried himself at times during the transfer window. Um So yeah, it, it, it's all PR. It, it's all just PR to try and spin. Uh, You know, you must support the team. You must come to the games, etc., etc. We don't want protesting. It's 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 a tired line. It's very tired. It's it's lazy almost.
1: Yeah, and and understandably so. And I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of outrage from a lot of fans about, I mean, not really so much Rafa's comments. I think a lot of people understood uh, kind of Rafa had to be diplomatic. And I think people understood that Rafa has kind of thrown some, some slight jabs at Mike Ashley in the past, but I think people were really upset with LaSalle's um, comments. And it it just seemed like, I, I don't know how people couldn't understand that he, he has to say stuff like this as, as someone who is an employee of the club, as someone who is the face of the team, he can't just go outright and go against the owner uh, because, I mean, for him, that's a bad business decision that ends up with him, either, you know, not having a contract or or being sold. I mean, because you know you're you're going up against the owner here. It's not like you're going up against a, another player or or an assistant coach or something. You're going up against the owner. So I don't know. I, I like like you said, it's I think that if if I was sitting down at a pub with Jamal sells and it was off the record, he'd probably have a little bit of frustration with the lack of investment uh, with the squad. Yeah,
2: no, definitely. Um, I had a lot of sympathy with the cells when he said that. Yeah. Uh, when he said he, he was a nice guy, you know. I, I don't understand what else he was meant to say. And, and I'll back to all the cells up. I've met Mike Ashley before when he first took over the club, you know, when he, was, when he used to come in the stand with the fans and, and all this. You know, I remember we, um, we had a pre-season tournament in Spain and uh, it was in Mallorca and uh, and Mike Ashley was again amongst Newcastle fans, and and he was he was actually a very pleasant man, you know. I, I've heard a lot of people say that he's actually a, a, quite a pleasant man, but is it all the front? I mean, most likely, but um, you know, I, I, I yeah, I dare say that Jamal Lascelles saw the Mike Ashley that we saw. 10 years ago that all of the fans were very very happy when he was in the stands you know so a lot of people met him and will probably say the same as me that he was he was very nice to them at the time so there's not a lot you can say really and I guess the the thing with the Lacelles one again and this is this is just my opinion he got a new contract last was it last year yeah he got a contract extension so why did he need why did he need another one so yeah is that is, is that another PR stunt I dare say it probably is.
1: I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, you got to look at the facts. I mean, he got a pay increase and then also an extension. So, yeah, I would imagine that's that's precisely what happened. Uh, and, you know, probably with more of his agent being involved than him, uh, you know, encouraging him to say these comments in order to appease yeah. Mike Ashley. Um, yeah. And so, and kind of just, just briefly we'll touch on the second bit of criticism. I guess the only other major criticism I think you guys have faced outside of the Normal, uh, honestly, I would say few people who who are against protesting and boycotting. I mean, I think on Twitter at least, it doesn't seem like there's a lot, and and rightfully so. Um, you guys had a protest plan for um, the Shirebrook Sports Direct location, um, or headquarters, and you moved it uh, because of increased security, which I would imagine is because of you know safety concerns and things like that. And that was met with a lot of criticism. Um, I, I, yeah. I guess I don't know. I mean, how 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 do I mean? And you guys have responded pretty well to this with multiple apologies and such. But what what do you think that kind of does to the overall momentum of the movement? Do you think it really affects it, or is this kind of like a, a one off thing? Do you think people are still going to get behind the general message of the Magpie Group?
2: Yeah, um it's a tough one for me to answer. I'm probably not the best to answer in regards to what actually happened yesterday. What? um I was probably a little bit in the dark about its cancellation as well, to be honest. Um I was I was at work yesterday, so I wasn't actually um and I just found out that it was cancelled like everyone else on, on the internet, you know, and I was I was quite surprised, I must admit. Um so I could actually sense the fan frustration. I could understand it slightly. Um uh, and that's probably for the main leaders of the Magpie group to kind of explain as to what really happened. But um, it's it's a tough one. Yes, it didn't look good. It really didn't look good. You know, you had people still turn up. I know that they tried to send the message out the night before to as many people as possible. And I think it's just learning from mistakes. Yeah. No one means any harm in the Magpie group. They really, really don't. It's, all, it's full of very, very good people. I think it, it was just... Uh, it was obviously a big mistake to make, and, and I feel very sorry for the people that that, had the, that still turned up, you know, um, that's probably very disappointing. In terms of the, the future of the group, I don't, it, it, it can't change anything, really, because we're all fighting the same battle. Mm-hmm. You know If, if, it, if it's not going to be the magpie group, it's going to be someone else. The message is that things have to improve at Newcastle United. The, 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 the magpie group is not the most important thing. They're just a, a group of fans that are trying to push the message a bit a bit louder than other people might. Um, yeah. And it's... Uh, yeah, like I say, if it's not going to be the Magpie group, it's going to be someone else. Um, so the message doesn't change. The fight doesn't change, from my point of view anyway. Um, so, yeah. It's, 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 it was a difficult <laughs> one yesterday because, like I said, was, I was very much out of the loop I didn't really know what 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 had actually transpired, so um, yeah, that's probably a question for
1: them, I think. Yeah, and and, and I do want to. Uh, you brought up a really good point. I mean, this still is a very young group, like you said. I mean, you had talks in February, but ultimately the group was formed in July, and you've you kind of started to pick up steam. I would I would I would argue that you guys are pretty much getting on your feet now in the in the past couple of weeks with the out annu- with the announcement of of the protests and stuff. You know a clear formulized plan of action, you know, one big boycott, you know, the walk-ins. I think that you guys are kind of now hitting your stride. And so it was only natural that you were going, that there was going to be some sort of cog initially. I mean, every organization, every company, every group, they all faced it. Yeah. And so I I do think that, like you said, I think it'll, it'll probably blow over by next week to be honest I think people. Yeah. Yeah. realize. Hey this this kind of stuff happens. They that like last minute cancellations happen, last minute things exactly. happen. So okay. I, yeah, I I agree with it, with that. That general sentiment. And so kind of moving on to yeah. closing out closing out the interview just a couple more questions. Um so if Mike Ashley sold the club today, we get a brand new owner, would the Magpike group still exist? I think it has to, definitely. Yeah. To to make sure that we're not putting this in a similar position. Yeah. Um, I, I would,
2: yeah. Uh, I, 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 it, it can't, it can't end because it, again, it's probably quite fickle if it does because who knows who might come in afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, it might be good. It might be bad. Who knows? But you need to make sure that the fans voice is always heard.
1: And, and I would argue, I think it's even more important that it, that, that the magpie group makes, a, a I guess, sends a strong message to whoever the next owner could be, whether that be, um, next year or four or five years down the road. Um, to make sure they know that, hey, we are, as the fans are going to hold you accountable to, to your actions and make sure that you're doing what's best for the club. Um, and I think yeah. having that that voice in the beginning of it will, will go a long, long way because you can't be like Mike and, and fake it till you make it and then, you know, two years or so really care about the club and then for for nine years neglect it completely. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do 100% I, and I hope that the Magpie group does, does not, you know, Go away once Mike Ashley sells the club, if he does. Yeah, yeah. Um And then kind of moving on, and this is uh, just just for you. Uh, what has kind of been your your personal favorite part of of working with um, the Magpie Group and working with the, the War Flags Group in general? Uh, the,
2: the 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 Magpie Group that hasn't really been a favorite. It's a very because it's not a nice thing to do. Yeah, it, it, it ruins your match day. <laughs> I would <laughs> rather be in the pub having a drink and then going to the match with my friends i feel the need to do something uh so it's not it's not really enjoyable i would just i would if if i was to pick something it would be the the support that it has got from fellow fans uh, it's nice to see that eventually we're starting to pull it in a similar direction with regards to the flies it's it's great every time we do the flies you know we we'll, we'll get special access into the stadium um and and it's great you know we we, we go in and, and and the stadium's empty it's just great to look at you know we we're very privileged to be able to do it and it's great to put on these displays that get sent worldwide gives you a little bit of a buzz you know and mm-hmm. and the thousands of pounds that you bring in shows that you are doing a good job and that, and that's very reassuring so
1: yeah yeah and and this is a question we like to ask uh, all of our guests both fans and and uh we even asked Warren Barton this: uh, what, what if you could pick any Newcastle match ever to attend? Uh, what would it be and why?
2: 1969, Újpest Dósa <laughs> in the Fairs Cup would yeah. be mine because I am desperate to see Newcastle win something. Yeah, so I've, I've I've met one person who was there in Hungary. Uh, they travelled out there. That I, I don't think there was many went. I have met one person who was there and got to witness Newcastle winning their last piece of silverware. And I'm just really, really, really jealous. So that would be the one game I think to see Newcastle win a European trophy. I think, yeah, that would be mine. Újpest Dosa away in Hungary,
1: Budapest. So yeah. it doesn't get much better. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think. And what, I what's, think been that,
2: the, what's been the most popular? What's been the most popular answer out of that? And in I was actually going to
1: touch on that. Um, we've we've actually had no one repeat the same match. Like it, we've. I think this is probably the 13th or 14th time we've asked this at least, at least the 10th. I know. Um, yeah. and no one has, has, has said the same match. And even I think Greg and I were asked this on a separate pod when we were on a Chelsea podcast and even including our answers. Yeah. No one said the same thing. So That's great. it's great. Yeah. We're keeping the streak alive. It's cool to see that fans all have kind of different matches that, you yeah. know, have a special place in their heart and, and stuff that they wanted to see. Um, but yeah, So, uh, first, we want to, of course, thank Tom for agreeing to come on uh, on behalf of War Flags. Um, Tom, can you tell the people um, how they can get in touch with War Flags, how they can donate?
2: Yeah. um, So, uh, we are on Twitter, at War Flags. Uh, We are also on Facebook, uh, as War Flags. Uh, We do have a website um, as well, which you'll be able to find on the Twitter. Um, And there is a shop on there, you know. And um, you can donate. There's a donate link on the... On the actual shop, uh, you'll be able to find the pinned tweet as well uh, that we are raising for a new surfer, um, mm-hmm. and you'll have seen the surfer flags that have been in the stadium. Um, we are raising them for a new one, uh, and basically everyone that donates gets their name integrated into the design, so their yeah, name cool. will be on that will be on that surfer flag, and, and we'll we'll look after this one very much because it'll be quite expensive. Um, <laughs> And and it'll be it'll be part of the match day, um, and we'll end up making some mini flags so that people can see their name and they like, integrated into the into the design. Um, and we do have a shop. We do do international shipping for uh, for the international supporters as well. So it's uh, if you if you if you see anything you like on the shop on the War Flag shop, just just purchase it. We don't have any problems sending it abroad either. So any help that we can get is is very much appreciated because we love doing what we do, and I'm sure we we'll get a lot of. Get a lot of praise inside the stadium. A lot of people patting you on the back after a display has been done. And it's uh it's it's a very nice feeling, I must admit.
1: Yeah. And and once again, Tom, thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the pod. Um for our listeners, you guys know where to find us at CHN underscore radio on Twitter. Um, check out the actual site that we post on our site that we, Greg and I, both write for uh, cominghomeneucastle.espnation.com or just cominghomenewcastle.com And of course, uh, follow Coming Home Newcastle on Twitter at Coming Home in UFC. Um, without further ado, I think that's it. This was a great conversation uh, with, with Tom. And uh, as always, away the lads.
0: 262 on a summer's afternoon. That took the bus to Van is and she was heavy laden. The way we went along Collingwood Street, that on the road to Bladen. The last factory and up to the job in a day. Just can't endure the railway bridge, the bus will flow off there. The lasses lost the crinolines and the bales that hide their faces. I got two black eyes and a broken nose and gavined the blade and raises. Oh. We put on the way we went again But them that had their noses broke They came back our yen Some went to the dispensary And some to Dr. Gibbs's And some to the infirmary To mend their broken ribs's (laughs) Paradise. There was Bonnie Camp there was four and twenty on the bus, but who that danced and soon? They called on me to sing a song, and I sang a paddy thing, I danced the jig, and swung me twig the day I went to bleeding. to blade and tune the bellman he was carrying the' they carried him jockey broom a him tack into some chips and then he was persuading to The jordy riddle he showed the mechanics how at bladen. And... Johnny had a white hat on, they yelled, we stole the coody. There were spice dolls and monkey shoes, and dad wakes selling ciders. And you'd check for half an the butcher's a normal, lads for riders. <laughs>